This is BYU Sports Nation, brought to you by the BYU Store, simulcast on BYU-TV and BYU-Radio. Now, from Studio B, here's Spencer Linton and Jerem Jordan. BYU Sports Nation is live, your day-to-day play-by-play in Studio B, presented by the BYU Store, official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. Thursday, March 11th. 2021. Wherever and however you're connected, great to have you with us. I am Spencer Linton, teamed up with a guy who is, I think, happy to have some company back on the desk in Studio B, Jerem Jordan. What I really miss, although it's great to have you back yeah. after a week, yeah. is hanging banners at BYU. But mm-hmm. yesterday, in case you missed it, BYU did hang a banner. This was a, a photograph taken by Elmas Micah. Oh, wait, it's a Photoshop. <laughs> 2021 in the Marriott Center led Gonzaga for like 30 mins. So congratulations to BYU Hoops <laughs> for leading Gonzaga. They hung a banner. No, the abbreviated they, word makes that hilarious. 30 min. <laughs> so well, well done. So good. What's the next banner that we're going to hang? Pac-12 South champions when BYU Hopefully. football wins three games against the Pac-12 South this year? And BYU has what? Like five? Five, games, five games against, against the Pac-12 total? Pac-12, yes. And... Wazoo in the north, right? And then uh, is it four against the south? Utah, Arizona, Arizona State, and USC. Yes. Yeah, four. Four against the south. Okay, there we go. So okay. f- four, of the, four of the six teams there? We'll go by win percentage at the end of the season. Well, we'll talk to Ken Palm and we'll get an adjusted <laughs> win percentage, but yes. Here is your show lineup featuring the NACDA Athletics Director of the Year, Tom Holmo. We're going to take a look at what he has done over the past year to uh, earn what so many have called a well-deserved recognition. Zach Wilson in his latest Path to the Draft interview. Jerem Jordan goes one-on-one with the BYU gunslinger. And gymnastics head coach Guard Young joins the show to preview a top-12 showdown on the gymnastics for tonight at the Marriott Center. Here are today's BYU Sports Nation headlines. Tom Homo, as mentioned, is the NACDA Athletics Director of the Year. Homo's one of four recipients of the award this year. Of note, Coastal Carolina's AD got one, too. BYU President Kevin J. Worthen said if this were a career award, Tom would be among the most deserving. Kyle Van Noy has been officially released from the Miami Dolphins. I know this feels like old news, but now it's official because they apparently attempted to trade him on several occasions. He is now a free agent. Where's Kyle Van Noy going to end up? Number 12, BYU Gymnastics host number 11, Denver at 9 Eastern on BYU TV in the app in the final home meet of the season tonight. Silver medalist and coach of the Cougars, Guard Young, will join us later in the program. The Batcats begin a three-game series against Utah today at 5 p.m. Eastern on BYU Radio. Baseball starting pitcher, none other than Easton Walker, oh, who man. has a .57 Woo! ERA, 10 strikeouts in 15 and two-thirds innings pitched. Uh, 248 is coming. That's BYU has, yeah, it's happening. Mm-hmm. Softball beats Sam Houston State 12-2, led by 10 runs in a single inning. Three different players going yard. Cougars play Texas State in San Marcos today at uh, 70. BYU track and field with 11 total entries at the 2021 NCAA Indoor Track and Field Championships that begin today. Eight on the women's side, three for the men's team. Good luck to all of the athletes involved. BYU swimming and diving sends four athletes to national. Josue Dominguez, Katie McBratney in the 100 and 200 respectively, as well as Kennedy Krebs in the one meter and Mickey Strauss in the one meter, three meter and the platform. BYU men's golf finishing seventh at the Lambkin Classic in San Diego. Colt Ponich, two strokes under par for the tournament. Good for a tie third place individual eight headline day people let's go
All rise and shout. It's time for What's Trending. You're talking about it, and so are we. It's What's Trending on BYU Sports Nation. We are back from Las Vegas, thankfully. As Jeremy has joked a few times, I just about started to receive mail down yeah, you there. S- yeah, set up a P.O. box, but then you were like, oh, yeah, I'm going home. But not only are we back, Jerem, but bringing some good mojo with the BYU men's basketball program based on what they did against Gonzaga. I know, they didn't win. Hung a banner, though. But we did hang a banner for yeah. leading Gonzaga for about for 30 like, minutes. Like 30 minutes. Like 30 minutes. Jerem, following the championship tournament at the West Coast Conference in Vegas, how have your expectations changed for BYU's potential run in the NCAA tournament? Well, we hope it's a run, because if you lose, that ain't no run. That was just uh, going outside and walking back in your house. But I do think that BYU is going to win a game in the NCAA tournament. I hope that BYU challenges for a second game. That's, uh, that's the hope. BYU has it all, right? Uh, Mark Few said it. BYU's got rim protection. They've got shooters. They've got uh, you know penetrators off the dribble. They've got one of the top defenses in the country, rebounding. I... I really like BYU's chances here. Now, last year's team had the three-point shooting. BYU is getting better at the threes. Trevin Nell playing well at the end of the season. Caleb Lohner, although he didn't score in that game, has been playing really well at the end of the season. Of course, Alex Barcelo and Brandon Averett and company. Spencer Johnson, right? I, I like where BYU's at. I, I'm excited about it. It didn't tell me anything new. It just kind of reinforced the idea of, hey, BYU can hang with anyone. If BYU can hang with Gonzaga, who else can BYU hang with? Should they play a great game uh, or half like that. So I, I'm excited about it. BYU's top 25 good right now. It, that much is obvious. Mark Few said it, right, uh, about this is a top 25-ish team. The only team that has really given BYU trouble is the type of team like uh, USC and Boise State and now Gonzaga, of course, three times, that gives BYU trouble on the perimeter with extended pressure stunts BYU's ability to get into its offense, which is dribble handoff. Well, and Pepperdine did that against BYU as well. Yes, and uh, good for Pepperdine, right? That was their Super Bowl a couple times. They won the one. BYU won uh, you know, two of those three, took to, to uh, overtime. But, yeah, I, I'm excited about it. I, I think I expect BYU to win a, a game, and that's going to be chalk because BYU is going to be a higher seed than it's playing in the opening game. And BYU's been... Awfully chalky in NCAA history. So hopefully it's chalk, and then BYU can undo historical trends, Mm -hmm. which is, okay, we're not the favorite, but we're going to upset a team here. One of the two times that BYU went to the Sweet 16, they were a six seed that upset a three seed, which is good to have three three, uh, tenured NBA players in the starting lineup. (laughs) Uh, BYU does not have that this year, like Danny Ainge and Greg Kite and Fred Roberts. It's difficult for me to know what my expectations are because we don't know the matchups. And I feel like more so in college basketball than any other collegiate sport, it's about matchups in the NCAA tournament. So if BYU gets a team like USC or Boise State, then it's going to be a challenge. A team that will significantly pressure BYU on the perimeter, take them off the three-point line, really hound them on the ball screens, um, and, and make life difficult for Alex Barcelo and Brandon Averett coming off those ball screens. Then, then it could get a little bit weird, even in the first round. If BYU's in a 7-10 matchup, it, it's about matchups. So if BYU's given a favorable matchup in the opening round, great, yes. Then they win, have some confidence, and who knows what happens in the second round. Then you got a legitimate chance to get to the second weekend. But for me, it's, it's hard to know. I like the way that they're playing. The one thing I, d- I do believe in consistently is that BYU plays defense. They guard, regardless. Yes, regardless. Since 2008, this is BYU's best defensive team. 
by adjusted defensive efficiency with Ken Palm. They guard. That tells a lot, which means if you're not shooting well, you can stay, still stay in the game, which is what happened in the second half, by the way, against Gonzaga. BYU was terrible offensively in the second half after being unbelievable in the first half, but it was still a game late in the game. BYU even had a nine-point lead with nine minutes to go. BYU's won enough games. Hang another banner. Beautifully ugly, to still Coach Pope's phrase, that I feel like even if they're not shooting the ball well, that they can beat some good teams. BYU's done this. Yes, and BYU's learned. Like, BYU has learned the last, what, seven or eight games post-Pepperdine. Okay, we can't go down early we, to Gonzaga. Didn't. Uh, and we can play better defense. And then BYU's in the game late. Because I think down the stretch, BYU's, generally speaking, played pretty well. They've been a second-half team more often than not this season. Yeah. And I'm fine with being a first-half team as long as that lead is big. Like, like when people dog on Gonzaga, it's hilarious. Like, oh, they haven't played any close games. Because they're good. They should be rewarded for that. Like, oh, we're going to mail it in and play a close game so it looks like we were tested? No. And that was the best thing that could have happened to Gonzaga, by the way, was that BYU did it again. BYU didn't win. But remember, when, BYU, uh, when Gonzaga went to its only Final Four, the Cougars... Uh, upset the Zags, number yes. one, trying to finish undefeated. And that helped Gonzaga sort of be like, oh, yeah, wake up, just make sure we're good, to the Final Four. Um, and this year, maybe that's the same way where it was like, oh, we got like the fear of God in us from almost losing a game. And it wouldn't have mattered for Gonzaga. still would have been a one seed and probably the overall number one still. So uh, all good. I, I'm excited about this. This is the most excited I've been for an NCAA tournament in a while because BYU defends. I was excited last year, but we didn't see it, obviously. And because BYU is going to be in the tournament, that adds some excitement to it as well. Hey, they're going to play uh, because, you know, on, the, on this day tomorrow a year ago, uh, today, and we'll talk about this a little later, but tonight was the NBA, you know, s- stops the season. Tomorrow is the, there's no March Madness, and literally like every sport stops. All the tournaments start stopping as well. Um, and and it was it was just brutal. But, yeah. but but here we are a year later. We're talking about BYU as a single digit seed again, which is unbelievable. Not just in the tourney, guaranteed single digit a seed. lock as like, a single digit like seed. Guaranteed single digit seed is unbelievable given who BYU lost. So I would submit this question as as we look at the way too early for next year. What grad transfers will BYU get? Because if BYU does not get both Brandon Averett and Matt Harms, BYU is not in the tourney. BYU is not in the tourney, in my opinion. They, they probably would have been bubblicious. Maybe they get in. But, like, BYU needed Brandon Averett, needed Matt Harms, and then, of course, needed Alex Barcella to make the jump. And all three did. All the more reason for those guys to just come back and play one more year. That'd be nice. When there will be, hopefully, full-capacity crowds at the Marriott Center and get back to the Marriott Center magic, that energy. Oh, this fall? Let's Yeah. Let's go. Let's go, man. Yeah, hey, if Spencer J. Cox has anything to say about it, there'll be no it's masks. Ha- it's happening. Every, you know, 70% vaccinated. Let's go, baby. If BYU is a six seed, then I'm not as worried about the matchup per se because I feel like, all right, if you're a six seed and you're playing an 11 seed, you are the favorite. You should win that opening round game. Yes. But yes. 7 10, it's always tough. That's, that's still Closer pretty close think. to 8 and 9. Yeah. BYU was a seven seed in 2010, Jimmer Fredette's junior year against Florida, went to double overtime. That was madness. Yeah. But they found a way, you know, as the chalk. Thanks to Michael Lloyd. To be here. Michael Lloyd in his 24 points, like was 26 it? 26. Oh, yeah. my goodness. It was amazing. But listen to these, these resume numbers and tell me that BYU doesn't deserve a six seed. The Cougars are 
Again, plus one today, number 19 in the net rankings, 24 in Ken Palm, 29 in ESPN's Basketball Power Index, 10 in KPI. Their strength record is 21, Sagarin 24. This screams six seed to me. I said it yesterday. Why isn't BYU in the discussion for a five or six? Right now it's just like seven or eight. Why not? I don't, I don't get why not. Are we jaded? Are is we it, so jaded because of the Sunday play situation? And, oh, well, it's well, not us. BYU just gets dropped down a line. It's and, the bracketologist. The Sunday play thing shouldn't be as big a deal this year with everyone playing in the same location. Yes. So, why is not – yeah, the Athletic has BYU's six. There you go. There's a six. But, but why Andy Katz, CBS, ESPN? Eight seed? Why, why eight? I don't understand that. The metrics scream 32 to 35. No, 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 no. BYU is in the kind of 20 to 26 range in a lot of this. Why wouldn't BYU be a five? I don't understand why that's not a discussion. Okay, I guess BYU just had to win uh, on Tuesday. (laughs) Okay, topic two. Tom Homo is the athletic director of the year. No brainer, right? Fantastic. Fantastic, Tom. Great stuff. Absolutely. He's also the BYUSN athletic director of the year. So well-deserved. Every year. Uh, Think about what is transpired in the past year what happened i forgot okay so from march 11th last year tomorrow march 12th when the ncaa tournament in large part gets shut down we're all devastated all of the other sports all of the other sports yeah no spring championships volleyball one gone okay in that moment tom homo met with all of his teams within that way and just said look i'm gonna do everything i possibly can to make sure that we're back playing as soon as possible. And while many other conferences and athletic directors... Don't want to name names, but Pac-12 and Big Ten. Whether mandated by higher officials or not, were kind of shutting things down. Tom was trying to figure out a way to at least help teams keep practicing. And in his words, be ready to go as soon as we're given the green light that competition will happen. So he put everything in place for the teams to be able to compete as soon as there was any opening that any sort of competition was going to happen. And to be clear, this wasn't like March, April, May. This was like June. June. Yes, this was June. So the teams in large part came back early to mid-June. BYU football had player-run practices going, and things were opened up for them so that they could. And wow, did it pay off in a major way, not just for BYU football, but we're looking at at least seven different sports in the spring, Jerem, that are in the top 20 and are rolling right now. It's incredible what this guy has done. And he shared some, uh, or sorry, an athlete, Angel Zong of BYU Gymnastics, and Dilji Taylor, the coach uh, for BYU Women's Track and Field, shared some pretty personal things uh, in the release, talking about Tom and, and how he shows up to help the athletes when they're feeling devastated. Angel ruptured her Achilles last year, and he was giving her a hug on the trainer's table and saying, look, I'm going to be here for you. We're going to get you right. You're going to be back. Figured out a way to get gymnastics into the gym. They had a couple of shutdowns, but constantly, okay, we just got to figure out how to work through this COVID thing. It's been a massive, massive effort. And so I applaud that Tom Homo was given this honor. I feel like he deserves it. And frankly, if he were the only athletic director to receive it, I, I think he would be the right choice. Yes. Um, for all the reasons you said, he is, he is absolutely the athletic director of the year. If you do all that, but you don't win, it has an impact on the individuals involved, but it doesn't affect the perception of the athletic department outside. So you have to win as well. Yes. And BYU has won. 
This was the food storage year for BYU Athletics. We were ready in an issue to dominate. So BYU football doesn't just play, dominates, has a season that is for the books, has a top-five quarterback, first-team All-American left tackle, a top-five defense, a thousand-yard receiver and rusher. Like, it was magical and special. And, yes, BYU did not play a, a schedule that was conducive to getting into the New Year's Six, and BYU played the Coastal Carolina game. But BYU did as much as it possibly could. Mm-hmm. And in men's hoops has played 26 games and won 20 of them. It, and in all the other sports, let's just walk through it real quick. Cross country, both in the top five. Mm-hmm. Indoor track and field, both top ten. Volleyball, both top 15. Gymnastics, 12th. The all-in campaign, by the way. Don't forget about that. This has been a notable year for BYU Athletics because what we love here culturally and in the church is when there's chaos, we will be ready. And BYU Athletics was ready, led by Tom Homo. So what a year it was. He absolutely deserves this. And the Cougars continue to win. The point of competing is winning. All the other stuff is important and is awesome. But if you don't win, it really doesn't matter in the end nationally. And for uh, you know, the, the fan base, it, it affects the individuals. But you have to win too. And this year, BYU shone bright by also winning. Listen to how he talks about the athletes and the coaches. He's so emotionally invested Very personable. in their yeah. lives, in winning. He's with them when they lose to help buoy them up uh, when they might be feeling down. And he's everywhere. He, he gets to so many events. I think I'm at a lot of events because I call a lot of games. I feel like every event that I'm at, yeah. Tom Homo is at, and then some. And, and if, and and if again, he's not, he'll call me up and be like, hey, I'm with so-and-so soccer team in Southern California. Just watched your broadcast. That was awesome. So happy for the girls or whatever. He's always dialed into every sport. He's hands-on, and that can't be said about – Every athletic director. Yes. And again, winning isn't everything, but you've got to win to matter. And BYU has won this year. Like, that stuff is fantastic. And the individuals are affected, for sure. And they say but that if, it helps them win yes, because he does that. But if you don't win, it doesn't have the same impact that you're hoping for. So I'm glad that both of those exist. All right, our question of the day. Following the West Coast Conference Tournament, which Tom Homo attended, by the way, have your expectations for BYU's NCAA Tournament run changed? Let's hear from you, BYUSN, in Voice of the Nation. This is the Voice of the Nation on BYU Sports Nation. I love this response from at Patty underscore Rick 23 on Instagram. Knowing that BYU men's basketball won't face anyone better than Gonzaga, I think that a deep run is reasonable. The Blue Goggles tell me Sweet 16 to Elite 8. Whoa! But get out of the first round, and I'm happy. Yeah, we're jaded by history for sure. Yeah. If BYU is a top 25 team, we should be thinking, hey, Sweet 16 is a total possibility. But because it's only happened twice in program history, and it took the National Player of the Year each time to do it, it's like, oh, well, oh, maybe one win okay. is good. Yeah, win one game, and then it's all gravy. That's I'm excited to watch Mark Pope coach in March Madness for the first time. Mark Madness. Let's go. Okay, coming up, which announcers do we want in BYU's first-round game in the dance? And Zach Wilson on his path to the NFL draft. What's the latest in his training regime? And what was his favorite game played at BYU? There were some gems. This is BYU Sports Nation. BYU Sports Nation is presented by the BYU Store, official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. Abby Bowden-Stainton in the 12th-ranked BYU Gymnastics team hosts the 11th-ranked Denver tonight. What a matchup in the Marriott Center, 9 Eastern on BYU TV and the app. Senior night for the late. I'll be there. 
as will Tom Homo. And we're talking about Tom Homo's legacy today, Jaron. Part of that is hiring the right coaches so that you can yes. win. Yes. Think about all of the incredible individuals he has hired to put BYU in position to build programs and win consistently and have so many top 20 teams, including Guard Young, who has yeah, taken it, that program from the ashes and put them into a top 12 ranking. If you miss on that, that can quickly go south. Yes. And as we've seen even this week, sometimes the AD is attached to the coach if something goes awry. So, um, yeah, that really matters for sure. Mark Pope he hired, Sean Olmstead, Heather Olmstead, Everyone Guard who's Young. currently employed, question mark? incredible is it jen rockwood is the only coach that just, wasn't yeah. hired by tom homo it yeah. feels like diljeet taylor he hired i think it's only jen right yeah okay well every week we're chatting with zach wilson on his past of the draft so I, I talked to him about what's non-negotiable in terms of habits every day what he thinks of chris sims comments about him being the number one uh quarterback in the draft and some space with trevor lawrence and the origin of his middle name capono and his heritage there in hawaii here's my conversation with zach wilson on the deseret first credit union hotline all right zach let's continue to get to know you a little bit better your middle name's capono uh your dad has some uh, polynesian heritage and uh grew up in hawaii right yeah yeah we uh have been eating spam eggs and rice since day one so (laughs) What has that meant to you to have uh, kind of a multicultural house and get to know that side of it? Because I think some people last year when you were on the you know, Polynesian watch list were like, Zach Wilson's Polynesian? Yeah, exactly. You know, I don't look like it. You know, my dad was born and raised there, and uh, we still got my grandma back there, and we visit all the time, especially on my, uh, my, uh, my aunt my dad's sister's side of the family. You know, they're all about the Hawaiian heritage, and um, you know, we are too, but it doesn't look like it. Uh, but you know, we've grown up and, and love the Hawaiian lifestyle and, and being a part of that whole thing. So that's cool. It's cool. It's been a great part of our, our family and, and everyone, in our family has Hawaiian middle names, which is cool. Yours is Kapono. Does that have a meaning? Is that a, a named after somebody? Yeah, it means righteous. I'm not sure where it came from, but I know it, it means righteous. I'm not sure where my parents came up with it, but you know, it's a cool one. Yeah, that is cool. I like that. Okay, uh, what's the last week been like for you as we get closer to the NFL draft? Yeah, this last week, you know, we've been training, uh, starting to talk about plans for for May, June, and July. You know, you know what April is going to be like. I'm heading back next week, Tuesday. I'm going to be training, uh, you know, with Stro Formance most likely um, up until you know pro day after pro day all of April up until the draft. I'll be in Utah. Uh, working with those guys, throwing up some of my guys out there, maybe making a couple of trips back out here and um, we'll have a good little uh, maybe golf golfing trip and then fishing trip with Michael Pittman for his YouTube channel eventually. So <laughs> that'll be fun. So I, I think it's on the Colts, right? And uh, he played at USC and BYU beat USC in 2019. So I imagine that game gets brought up with him. Yeah, no doubt. But he was, you know, the way he approached it is just kind of, it's kind of messed up. You know, he he told me he was like, um oh yeah like you know going into that game you know we we didn't even care like it was like we were looking for the next opponent next week like it was just like oh like BYU like whatever like that sucks you know because we ended up beating you guys so (laughs) kind of backfired you guys approached the game that way that's a classic power five tale Zach like so such and such team lost this big bowl game well we wanted to play for the in the playoff and we didn't that's garbage you lost the game come on man and that was that was a great game the USC game is that among the games that you cherish the most? Because that was a packed house. 
and Skycam and ABC and then like overtime. That that's got to be one of the better wins BYU's had the last couple of years. Where does that fit for your favorite wins? Yeah, definitely a top two. I would say uh, that was that was fun. I would say we had a the USC Tennessee wins that year just because of the you know I'd say the atmosphere, the fans, everyone everyone being there was was so cool uh, to upset those guys. You know, especially at home. Uh, you know, not many guys can say they beat USC, so it was, it was a lot of fun. Can you still believe you guys beat Tennessee? Because when I go back and I watch you release the pass, and there's like 11 seconds left, and you're standing at like the 19 yard line. I thought this is a miracle, literally a miracle that that BYU pulled this out. Yeah, no, no doubt. Like the like, we definitely should have lost that game. Like really going <laughs> back, you know, Tennessee, Tennessee really screwed that one up. You know, we we did a great job there at the end, but that was really on them. And they screwed that one up. Yeah, in front of that massive crowd in the stadium and the checkered, uh, you know, end zone, it was it was awesome. Okay, uh, Chris Sims uh, is a big fan of yours. I don't know if you saw this. I imagine you did. Did you? I, I mean, I get tagged in a lot of stuff. So, <laughs> <laughs> so Chris Sims is on the Zach Wilson hype train. He said you're the best prospect. Uh, he really broke you down effectively. I, I thought he he was very interesting with it. He even broke you down physically what he liked. Um, and and he also said there's a little bit of space between you and Trevor Lawrence, which was somewhat surprising because everyone kind of looks at Trevor one and then there's battle for number two and your name's uh, clearly in there with with Justin Fields and and everybody else. So. Um, what did you think of that um, as the pendulum swings for some to, hey, Zach's the number one pick? Yeah, it's interesting, right? Everybody has their their own outlooks. And, you know, there's there's some takes where I'm, you know, the sixth best quarterback or the fifth <laughs> and then the second and then the first. You know, everyone's, everyone's got their own opinion. It really only comes down to the team that's drafting. It really comes down to what they think. Um, and we really won't know what that is until until the draft comes. And so – you know, everyone can say, you know, whatever they want, you know, everyone's great. Every quarterback's great in their own way. And it depends what that team is looking for. So it's cool to, you know, maybe see some of that stuff here and there, but you know, you, you really don't buy into it much because you know, really the team that's picking is the only one that matters. So we'll see come draft day. That's true. It just takes one to really love you. Right. Um, do you want to be the number one pick? Do you care? I mean, yeah, of course. Right. I mean, who doesn't, you know, want to be the number one pick, you know, to be able to say that you were the number one overall pick in a draft. Draft, uh, you know, that, I mean, that's a dream come true. That's more than a dream come true for a lot of people. Uh, most people just, you know, want a chance to get drafted. To be the number one is is something special. So, uh, you know, that's obviously a goal, but you know, it's going to be a tough one to achieve. What are some of the uh, skills or attributes that you feel like you bring to the table? Whether it be the film that you have, the things that you can do, or the or the things you know mentally that can combat the bias against non-Power 5 quarterbacks? Yeah, I feel like, uh, you know, when you watch my game, the ability to make plays outside the pocket and, um, you know, create something out of nothing, I, I feel like I have an act for being able to, you know, think outside the box, make throws that guys aren't expecting. You know, I used to tell my receivers in practice, you know, hey, you are a runoff on this route. You know, we're technically not supposed to look at you on this route, but, like, be ready. Like, I could throw it to you. You never know. Um, so there's like, you know, little things here and there. And I would say the power five competition, I think, you know, Chris Sims actually hit it right on the head is, is, you know, the talent that we're playing with is the same as the talent we're playing against. Uh, you know, it goes the same way as Alabama and the, and the guys that those guys are surrounded by, you know, the receivers, the defense alignment that they have. Uh, so I think it really just levels it levels itself out. I really don't think competition matters in, in that aspect because, you know, you're, you're playing against the same competition as you have. And so 
I think, uh, I think it all works itself out. You know, there's so many successful quarterbacks that have played against bad competition and there's so many successful quarterbacks that have played against the best competition. So I really don't think it matters. And that's great because a long time ago, and frankly, even a couple of years ago, it was like, okay, if you're not six, five and two, 25 you can't be a whatever that's not a thing right and last week we talked about like your weight is discussed like you're not a guy that's 190 even though you might look like it sometimes like you're at 215 220 and that's where you want to be so when when you look at the opportunity ahead of you and, and last season at what point Zach were you like oh I'm making a lot of these throws and making kind of a leap and and we've talked about how that leap was like, whoa, bigger than, and than we thought. Right. But at what point were you like, Oh, like all this stuff I practiced with John and Tom house's guys, like it's working. I mean, that's, what's so fun about the game, right. Is, is you put in uh, so many more hours outside of the actual game than you do in the game. And so when you, when you spend so much time on one thing and then you, you try and apply it and it actually works. Uh, I think that's where it's so exciting. And so, you know, I was able to feel a lot of that, you know, I would go into games and, and to be honest, sometimes I would look forward to maybe one of my old linemen getting beat. So I would have to slide left and, and make an off balance throw. You know, I kind of looked forward to being able to throw that way uh, rather than just standing in the pocket. And so I just think it makes the game fun when you, when you're able to do that kind of stuff. Did not having a crowd affect you in any way positively in this, in that regard where you're like, okay, I can just focus on like the game itself or, or obviously everyone missed the fans, but was there anything that changed uh, the game for you in, in that regard with no fans this year? Yeah, I think it, I helped some things and then, and then made other things harder. You know, I would say it definitely helped with communication, the ability to, you know, relay things out on the field. I would say stress level were a little bit lower for everybody on the field on both sides. Uh, you know, people weren't getting as antsy for games and they were able to stay calm, but I would also say her energy. I feel like both, both sides of the ball had uh, energy levels because our, ener- our energy was low because there was no crowd, you know, they're hyping you up and almost felt like it was a practice. And so uh, there was, there's plus and negatives to both. And um, honestly, I feel like, you know, for me having fans definitely makes the game more fun and just makes it, you know, way more exciting, uh, you know, when you go and score that, that game-winning touchdown or whatever it is, it just makes it more fun. Yeah, and we're certainly looking forward to that this fall. We're talking with Zach Wilson on BYU Sports Nation. Give us a sense of what kind of film study you were able to do with BYU in those 20 hours on your own, and then what you're being taught now in terms of what it's like as an NFL quarterback with film study. Yeah, it was interesting. You know, when I was uh, in college, I was really watching – more of the player rather than, you know, exactly what was going on. You know, there were some, there were sometimes I'd be going through it and I'm like, Ooh, like this play is super cool. You know, this would fit our offense. You know, maybe I'd screen record it and shoot it over to a rod and, and, you know, maybe discuss back and forth with him. But really, you know, I was watching, you know, how these guys uh, did their drops for certain concepts, how they, you know, moved in the pocket, whether it was small movements, big movements, how they were able to you know, make throws with guys in their face or, ball placement or, you know, all that kind of stuff. You know, there's so much that goes into the details of being an NFL quarterback. So I really watched a lot of that stuff. And now uh, working with John and these other QBs, you know, we're diving way more into the scheme, uh, what the defense are doing, uh, being able to pick up disguises, what concepts work against certain plays, how coaches are going to call them, you know, your triangle reads, uh, timing with your footwork, you know, so we're looking more at the schematics of, of, the plays and all that stuff now when before I was just looking to see how those guys played the game uh, from a reaction standpoint. Do you love that? Do you love being able to do this as your job right now? 
I do. Right. I mean, there's, there's not a better job in the world for sure. I like my job too. Although yours is going to pay a little more than mine. Uh, <laughs> close second. Yeah. Close second. It's very similar. Signing most is very similar. Uh, depending what division you're in. Uh, let's talk about uh, the influences on your game. You, you mentioned some of the quarterbacks, but in, in terms of like a band, like you talk to a band, they're like, oh, we were influenced by this band, this band, and this band. Who are the influences on your game in terms of people? Yeah, no doubt. I mean, someone that I haven't talked to since till this last year, you know, until I got into this whole draft stuff because we have the same agent and stuff, but you know, somebody that had such an effect on my game that, you know, didn't even know it was Joe Burrow. And that I, I was so um, in love with their 2019 season, the way that they played the game, the way that they did everything, uh, the connection he had with his receivers, you know, how he was able to take easy things, but then, you know, took shots down the field. And, you know, he absolutely, you know, killed it that year, having 60 touchdowns or whatever it was, you know, he, he had such an amazing year. And I, I watched that season so many times. And just kept thinking, how can I apply this to my game and the things that he's doing and the way he's smart with the ball, but also aggressive. Um, so I learned so much from that season of the LSU team that won that national championship. It was awesome. And it sounds like you've talked to him since then. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We've communicated back and forth. I actually was able to reach out to him uh, not that long ago uh, when I was picking an agent and, and he had great things to say. And, you know, now we have the same exact agent. So it's cool that we're, we are able to, you know, get on that same level, but then also, um, you know, him coming out here and he's going to probably work with, with 3d QB guys, maybe eventually, maybe not this year, maybe the next, but, um, you know, I'll, I'll ask him, Hey, what was your schedule like last year with COVID? You know, how are, how are you learning the offense? How was this? How was that? You know, he checked in and asked how, how training was going. So he's a super cool dude. Um, as far as that stuff goes. Yeah, that's awesome. That's fantastic. And, uh, Weird to think that you're only like a year behind him in this in this process, right, of, of getting into the NFL. We did uh, get a fan question for you this week, which is exciting. Aaron Bagley wants to know, do you have a, any daily non-negotiable habits that helped you succeed? If so, what are they? Yeah, waking up early is definitely one. One that was, you know, hard is uh, putting your phone away. Uh, I still struggle with that now, right? But being able to wake up in the morning, uh, a lot of the time I try and leave my phone downstairs when I go to sleep, uh, but waking up and going to bed without a phone and just actually being able to put your head on the pillow and go to sleep and not plan a phone, not watch TV. That's, I mean, I feel like that's one of the best habits ever, uh, to just be able to get out of bed in the morning, uh, bright and early. So like naturally I wake up right now at about six in the morning, uh, because of our workouts and all that kind of thing that we have going on. Do you have a, uh, you said naturally, do you just wake up or do you have an alarm clock? Well, I set an alarm, right, just in case. But, you know, you know, on the weekends and when you're not trying to wake up early, your body will just start to naturally wake you up at, at around 6 because, you you know, you created that, that ability to just start waking up early. That's a great attribute. I've not, I've not met an unsuccessful person, you know, waking up early constantly. You know, so it breeds success. Yeah, I, I love that. Um, Aaron followed up with this. What advice would you have for someone who wants to master their craft? Yeah. Continuously working it, you know, not, not always working your strengths, but working your weaknesses. Like, you know, stuff for me was, you know, maybe my footwork and, and making sure that stuff was all dialed up or, um, you know, with shoulder surgery, I struggled in the physical aspects a lot. And I would just say, work the things that, you know, you're struggling and improve to make the things you really get at better. Um, don't just, you know, be comfortable, be able to, you know, go outside the box and work the things that, you know, you struggle with, um, and find those things. But really it's just how many hours of practice that you put in and, and then I always ask myself this question is, is what am I doing that I maybe know other people aren't doing, you know, what's different 
Um, what's something that I can use to separate myself from other people? What's one of those things in your mind that you're doing? Yeah. I mean, one of those things, uh, especially when I was in college was film study. I felt like that was something that, you know, I'm sure other guys were doing, you know, NFL tape and film study, but that was something I definitely took pride in. I, I made sure that every single day I was watching something. Uh, and then I would even, you know, I would watch random things. I would watch, you know, random quarterbacks that maybe struggled in the NFL or struggled in college. And I wanted to know why I wanted to know why they were struggling and then I'd watch the best and what, what the differences were. So I would just watch random things all the time to try and just learn everything, not just always watching the best. Well, great stuff, Zach. It's been fun to get to know you each week. We're going to continue to do this to the draft and beyond the draft. So uh, good luck with your workouts and we'll see you in town next week. Awesome. Thank you. Appreciate it. That was Zach Wilson on the Deseret First Credit Union Hotline. Deseret First, you know why we show how. Uh, gets up early, uh, knows Joe Burrow now. Uh, thinks, yeah, he works super hard. I really like that about him. I love that he studied quarterbacks that struggled in the NFL and to know why they struggle. So People not don't just, really do that. It's yeah. not just reviewing the best, but so he's, he's kind of attacking this from all angles, which is impressive. Yeah, like he did the opposing defense this year. Absolutely. Okay, coming up, gymnastics coach Guard Young on his team's beam fence. Plus, have we zeroed in on who Zach Wilson's legitimate NFL comparable is? This is BYU Sports Nation. This segment of BYU Sports Nation is presented by Visible Supply Chain Management. 10-1, 15th ranked women's volleyball led by Taylor Ballard-Nixon, fresh off a career-high 23 kills at San Francisco, hosts Pacific Friday and Saturday, three Eastern afternoon contests, both on the BYU TV app. He is Jerem Jordan, I'm Spencer Linton, and this is BYU Sports Nation. Let's whip it. The Cougar Whip Around presented by Visible Supply Chain Management tackling America's most challenging shipping problems. Bleacher reports that Zach Wilson's NFL comp is a bigger Russell Wilson. Do you like that one? I do like that comparison because I value Russell Wilson as one of the best decision makers and athletes in the entire NFL. He can run, clearly, but he's a smart runner. And I like that they think Zach Wilson can be an explosive athletic runner, but also give him the credit of being intelligent like that it's not the best comp because russell wilson throws a rainbow um zach is a more direct thrower like in the pocket although the accuracy but the is is true but the means to that i don't agree with also russell wilson's 511 205 um you know zach is six two or three two fifteen that's so, the bigger russell wilson well bigger because he's taller like like i don't know it's not a great one for me okay who is the right one maybe aaron Rodgers. it's more aaron Rodgers in in arm angles and and quick release i just like the idea of zach being as smart as russell wilson <laughs> i don't like the idea of being zach uh zach being as picky as russ is being right now with the seahawks yeah fair enough <laughs> one year ago tonight i'll never forget this utah jazz center rudy gobert tested positive before his game against the Oklahoma City Thunder for COVID-19. What do you remember about that night? I remember him touching all the mics um, carelessly before that. A few days before. Yes. Um, I remember thinking, wow, this is proceeding in a scary direction. And then tomorrow is the day where it really ended. Uh, You know, everything went down. But, man, yeah, it, it was a little scary. I remember talking to my daughter like, hey, don't touch your face. Don't, you know, like. We've already gotten toilet paper with that whole rush and everything. But, yeah, it it got real quickly. My initial reaction, and I was working at KSL that night. I got a call from uh, 
the producer Nate up there, and he's like, hey, super easy night. <laughs> Jazz game against Oklahoma City. It's going to be really simple. Uh, we've got a couple of minutes to fill at 10 p.m. Like, you know, bada-bing, bada-boom. It's going to be really easy tonight. And it was his first time producing as well live. Oh, Everybody boy. else is on vacation. So they call on the, the reserves from the bullpen. Yeah. Are you left-handed? <laughs> no. You're a lefty? But they call us all in. And then at uh, roughly 6 o'clock, we see the teams congregating by their benches and the game is not starting, and just, oh, my goodness, they're going to cancel this game. Yeah. Somebody, somebody's got COVID. Somebody, who, who has it? Um, and then we found out from some inside sources that it was Rudy, and it was breaking news all night. Yeah. Uh, different. So, I'll, I'll, yeah, I'll never forget. That was crazy. But I, I And that was a Wednesday. Yes. So the next day, BYU's going to play LMU in baseball, and we show up. Ready to do it? Nope, didn't no, happen. Nothing. And then the next day is Friday, and when no March Madness, no NCAA sports. I remember feeling like, no, 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 no. We can do ev- everything else can get canceled, just not the tournament. Just not the tournament. They, they can figure out a way to do the tournament. No, nope, couldn't do it. Brutal. Do it. Okay, coming up, fans in the stands. And that later. includes tonight for BYU Gymnastics at the Marriott Center. Head coach Guard Young will join us live to discuss what his team needs to score in front of those limited fans to make a final push up the rankings. This is BYU Sports Nation. BYU Sports Nation is presented by the BYU Store, official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. Zach Eschenberg and second-ranked men's volleyball host Stanford Friday and Saturday night, 9 Eastern on BYU TV and the Welcome back to BYU Sports Nation live from Studio B. Joining us now on the Deseret First Credit Union hotline is the head coach of 12th-ranked BYU Gymnastics, Guard Young. Guard, great to have you back on the show and we're so excited that you're going to have fans in the stands at the Marriott Center tonight. What type of impact and difference do even a limited number of fans make for your girls and their performance? Yeah, we will take one, two, or, you know, a thousand fans, whatever they're going to let us in that building. So um, it's it's been definitely a, a surreal, surreal season. We've been to places where it's just been us. We've been to places where they've let fans in. We've been to places where it's just mom and dad at the stands. So we got a great squad uh, led by seven amazing seniors that's just adaptable. So I think that's the that's the key to success this year is just be adaptable and roll with it and, and then go out and do your job. They've been amazing, and this whole team's been amazing, Guard. Congratulations on a, a really successful season so far, and I know you guys want to keep this going. What do you need to accomplish tonight against a really good Denver squad as well? Yeah, Denver number 11 right now. They just squeaked ahead of us. So number 11 versus the number 12 tonight, you know, we're jockeying for those final positions to be seated going into the the NCAA tournament. Um, So it's going to be a back and forth meet. They'll have a great meet. We'll have a great meet. We're sitting on a a 196.9 to something, uh, which is a good score uh, for us. And so we're going to have to see a 197 meet to really make a difference for our, uh, to move up in the seating. Okay. That you just answered my next question is, uh, have you zeroed in on the score and you feel like you got to go 197 plus, uh, what do your girls think about the pressure of competing for a score like that? Are, are they worried about stuff like that? How do you keep them just focused on one event at a time, one routine at a time and not thinking about, Oh man, we got to score 197. Yeah. I, I think right now, we're kind of focused in on our seniors. Let's just go out our senior night and let these girls have a great experience and celebrate them. Um, they've been playing for, for BYU for the past four years. So, you know, 
win, lose, draw, high score, low score. We're just about to celebrate senior senior night. And as you approach, uh, you know, MRGCs and, and regionals and what you hope will be nationals, how can this team take this? You've taken the step up in the regular season. I guess getting to nationals is probably the next step, right? You know, uh, a couple of years ago, we redid the format. And so, you know, before there were six different region spots and, you know, 12 teams would make it into the final championship round. Um, and now that's down to eight. And so, you know, for us, we just want to try to get as far in the tournament as possible. Um, obviously, you know, priorities would be to have a good showing, if not win the, the MRGC conference uh, championship this year. Um, so we'll go in probably as the favorites, but it's a really good conference. All four teams are in the top 20. So, you know, really who puts the best meat down that night will be the, the champion. Um, and then off to the tournament where, you know, you'll see, well, we got to buy in the first round. We'll go into the second round and try to make a berth into the sweet 16 is what we'll call it. You know, the regional finalist team. And then from there, who, who knows? Let's talk about the locations of regionals and nationals. How is that all going to work with the NCAA? Same locations? Are there going to be different pods? How, how is that all going to work? Yeah, so, you know, originally, you know, a couple of years ago, they selected six different sites when it was a six regional site, and then that whittled down to four. And then this year, four sites couldn't host it. So it got opened back up and, and moved. And so we got one site here in the West, which is will be at the Maverick Center, hosted by University of Utah. And then the rest, you go back East. The, the two other, three other choices are Georgia, Alabama, and West Virginia. So while our girls, you know, want to travel and go see those places, I'm kind of like, yeah, going up 45 minutes up to the Mavericks <laughs> just sounds pretty good too. So we'll be happy no matter where we go. Um, just excited for the opportunity to compete. And that really has been kind of the theme all year. Coach, we're thrilled for you, the team, and especially the seniors. We're going to honor them tonight uh, on the broadcast against Denver. Let's give you some BYU Sports Nation karma. You can distribute that among your team. And uh, we'll look forward to a fantastic meet tonight. Great seeing you guys. You got it. Guard Young with us on BYU Sports Nation. Joining us on the Deseret First Credit Union Hotline. Deseret First, you know why we show how. Should be great tonight. 9 Eastern on BYU TV and the app. Can't wait. Okay, coming up, who gets today's Elite Voice? And who has earned the rise and shout-out? Maybe it should be to the fans that are uh, scooping up all those tickets to the events. This is BYU Sports Nation. Fans, Cougar Club. BYU Sports Nation's Rise and Shoutout is presented by Mountain America Credit Union, guiding you forward. BYU Sports Nation, always available on demand via the BYU TV and BYU radio apps. And hey, there's a podcast. If you're new to the program, welcome. You can download it. Google BYU Sports Nation podcast, subscribe, review, and rate it. Our question of the day centers on this. Following the West Coast Conference basketball tournament, have your expectations for the BYU men's hoops team in their NCAA tournament Potential run changed. Our elite voice of the day presented by Sundance Mountain Resort from Tyson Claire Price on What's Twitter. Up, Tyson? Blue, blue goggles goggle on. Alert. Blue goggle alert. He says blue goggle, blue alert. goggle alert. Pull out the blue train hoin, torn toy thingy-majigger. Hoin! Pull out the pull out the hoin! Blow the tournament train horn. BYU Whoa. men's basketball. I think we'll make it to the championship game. Whoa! And we'll beat Gonzaga. <laughs> win the championship. A fourth matchup why, with Gonzaga? Why haven't we been wearing this all year? Oh, I put it on early. I, put I know, on. but like one time. It's true. What? I what? Don't Here. I don't know. Let's go.
Wear the tourney train. What's the point of the tourney train if we're not going to wear the hat? Tourney train hat's on, baby. Let's now, do fun, this. Fun fact. This is from Dairy Keen in, in Heber, Heber, Utah. And <laughs> love the Dairy Keen, but that day didn't mesh well with my stomach. Okay? <laughs> no rising so, shout so out when that. I see that hat, I think, oh, I threw up. <laughs> We need to associate it with good things. Yes. Positive memories. Yeah, I do I want I do love the Dairy King. I go oh, there. Man. I go up that okay, way. Okay, now for today's rise and shout outs presented by Mountain America Credit Union, guiding you forward. Um it goes to uh Jimmer Fredette. Ten year anniversary of the New Mexico game. Ten year anniversary of the New Mexico game. Fifty two so, points. On the same shot, he not only sets the single game record, but the career record on an and one. And the fact that he scores 52 with one stinking free throw is unbelievable. One free unbelievable. throw? Unbelievable. You'd think he would have made 16 free nope. throws to get to 52. That is unbelievable. Still awesome. Okay, our, uh, another rising shout-out for me. Let's, let's give it to Tom Homo. Absolutely. And I said it earlier. You know, yeah. Not only does he connect with the athletes on another level, he's hired the right coaches. He's got this thing moving in an incredibly positive direction. Yes. I hope it moves in a getting a Power 5 direction, but that's not in BYU's control. So what BYU's doing is just trying to be the best it can be, which is, right now, a top 20 overall athletic program. I can't wait to hear about the uh, Learfield Cup standings at the end of all of this yes. spring season. Where will BYU stand in that? It's got to be You'd think top 15. probably the highest it's ever going to have been after an athletic calendar. Yes, and Stanford's cutting all uh, a bunch of Olympic sports. So they're not so. going to by default win the Learfield Cup. Yeah, and well, perhaps they still will, but it might be more competitive with Duke. Yes, yes. <laughs> That's essentially what it comes down to. Anyway, so much good happening in the BYU Athletics Department. Talk Our about good. Today to today's guest, Zach Wilson, on his path to the NFL draft, and the man we just heard from, Guard Young, head coach of women's gymnastics. Sorry to Dennis Pitt, ran out of time. Conversation continues 24-7 on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Use the hashtag BYUSN. For Jerem, I am Spencer. Shout out to Natalie Brookman. We'll see you tonight for NCAA Women's Gymnastics Top 12 Showdown between BYU and Denver on Senior Night. Go Cougs!